everybody, welcome to Wrestling Statistics, the only show that takes the unique approach to looking at the uh, world of professional wrestling through the lens of statistics, analytics, and everything in between. I am your host, Ryan Knightsey, and with me, as always, is the man uh, of a new changed Twitter handle, Craig from Pro Wrestling Musings. Craig, how's it going? I'm doing very well, Ryan. How are you today? I'm good. You know, I'm good. We're coming off of, obviously, you know, that's why we're here. That's why we're slightly uh, delayed in this episode. We're coming off of uh, Double or Nothing, AEW's uh, pay-per-view, uh, their pandemic pay-per-view. Uh, so, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. I would be more of a, a Young Bucks name for the pay-per-view. The p- pandemic? Pandemic the pay-per-view? pandemic pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't see why not. Just just call it pandemic, sir. Yeah. <laughs> call off my a great board game. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty good. I did, I did. My mo- my mother was in town, so I had I did uh, uh, see the show slightly late and slightly tardy. But uh, I'm I'm here. I'm ready to discuss. I'm ready to go through the stats with you. Um, you know. But besides all that, how are you, how are you doing, Craig? Uh, yeah, we've done that bit. The how are you doing? I'm fine. How I, are you? You know, I just want to. I just want to know how you're doing, Sorry, man. I just want to double check in. Yeah, I just want to double check. I want to double. It's double or nothing, you know. I, oh, <laughs> what a good, well planned out bit for the podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, now that we've gotten through that talking script point, let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so double or nothing was this weekend, folks. So if you missed it, uh, I would highly, I would say recommend it. I don't know what would you. What's your overall thoughts of AEW's double nothing, Greg? Well, you know. Watching the whole card, what do you think of it all? Um, good, yeah. Um, three and a half, four out of five, maybe. Yeah, I, yeah, I would, I would say it was a pretty good show. I, I would mm-hmm. argue, I think it's a solid argument to make that. Obviously, you know, maybe, maybe there's a bias or whatever, but I think there is a, a solid argument in saying that this was probably the best wrestling show during the pandemic in, in yeah, clu- yeah, including including yeah. other wrestling companies yeah yeah absolutely um i i mean i can't think of an, any other one off the top of my head but it was it was really good for obviously the circumstances and for the times i mean to be fair wrestlemania did do a, a fantastic job with their top title matches i mean yeah you can watch them in like one twitter clip uh <laughs> That and that's called social media, baby. That you know, that's that's how you get the, that's how you get the engagement. People are like, oh, are you full trying match? to suggest that WWE are kind of framing their entire main event scene scene around being available in gifts? Uh, I'm not suggesting that. I'm confirming that. I called up <laughs> Vince earlier today, and I've confirmed that that is the case. Uh, that so yes, we're not only talking about stats, we're also a news journalistic. Uh, a program here, so you're welcome, folks. Um, uh, for these for these solid <laughs> confirmations, solid takes, <laughs> solid takes, hot confirmations. Is that is that what it is? Uh, anyways, yeah. So, uh, yeah, double or nothing was this weekend. I I think it was like we said, a pretty good pay per view. So if you have not seen it, I would recommend it. You know, it's obviously it's got that steep uh price of what was it fifty nine dollar forty nine whatever it was. Um, not if you're not in America. Oh, how we? What is the price for you in Scotland? What is, what is it's like eighteen pound? It's weird. It was like it was like twenty dollars listed as twenty dollars on fight, but then you know, obviously, currency, you know, chart you get charged eighteen pound, Eight. which is strange. They were advertising it as twenty dollars. 
18 pound to American currency, American would be it'd be $22. dollars. Yeah. At least I mean, I don't know how much it's changed in the past couple of days. Mm. But uh, okay, interesting. Why are you getting it for twenty bucks? Why am I? Why hold on, hold on? Why am I spending fifty bucks on a pay per view? Uh, that's a very good question. <laughs> Man, and then you also get the fight uh, dynamites, where it's like you can watch it during commercials and stuff. Yeah, yeah, which is quite handy if you're trying to do stats and stuff. I guess that's fair. Man, why? <laughs> I I don't know who I have to talk to about this. I don't know some some manager or something. I have to pull a a grade eight as the internet call it a Karen and just <laughs> call up a manager and be like, I have a complaint. Anyways, are we getting off too many tangents? I don't know. So possibly, possibly. My, speaking of more tangents, my my girlfriend told me recently that I do too many tangents, and she has started to, if I'm telling a story started to time me that i have <laughs> like what well, you know like in board games they have those little clocks you know the timer Just, sand yeah. clocks um she will have one on hand and she'll flip the timer on me and i have the time that's left in the clock well what is it a minute or whatever to finish my story um to to force me to avoid doing tangents so She's training me well. I don't know. <laughs> She's training you to talk less. Y- yes, I, I don't want to say less. I want to say efficient. efficient. <laughs> I'll defend her and say talk efficiently. You, you um, need to start just giving like one word answers. <laughs> I know it's it's. Uh, I need to think quality of words over quantity of words. I guess is the phrase I'm going with. Anyways, mm. double or nothing happened this previous weekend, uh, and we're gonna go through it. Uh, we're gonna go through uh, a specific amount of matches to t- on the you know, look at it statistically. Of course, there are some matches like the Stadium Stampede where you can't really do statistics on. I mean, that match is all over the place. Um, so, although to be fair, um, Matt Jackson did score a 100 yard touchdown. Is that is that the words? Is that the lingo for the? Sport. That, yes, that is great. He he did a 100 yard touchdown. That's six points. And then was it? I believe it was pre. Be, before that, he you know he went did a moonsault off the field goal, mm. which yeah. is I guess you can argue three points right there. So so I guess the elite won ten to zero. Uh, <laughs> so good for them. Um, but yes, uh, we we've gotten some list of matches here. Let's uh, tangents aside. Let's, tangents are out of the room. Let's get get down to business, Craig, and let's go over this card. Uh, you know, like previous reviews we've done on this show, this network, I guess, uh, whatever we are, uh, the band of people. Um, we're we're going to start with the semi-main first, you know, try to get the big talking points out of the way, and then we'll go through the rest of the card and end up with the stadium stampede. Sound good, everybody at home? And then they, we file in just a bunch of like, yeah. And then we get into the semi-main, which was John Moxley defeating Mr. Brody Lee by technical submission uh, in a singles match for the AEW World Championship in 15 minutes and 30 seconds. Craig, I'm going to throw it to you first. What were some of your uh, takes, your your sort of ideas coming out of this match? Sure. So um, I'll just run through the kind of accumulation of stats that I have here. Uh, so it went just over 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 26 seconds. Um, Moxley won the strike battle, um, 40 to 24 um, then Brody Lee, more strike downs, two to one, 10 to three in terms of grapple use going to Mr. Brody Lee. Uh, they both did a dive each. Moxley's submission at the end lasted 14 seconds. 
um, Lee didn't use any submissions, and Moxley also used um, two finishers in the over the course of that match. Um, when we when we break down that match into sort of five minute chunks, um, Brody Lee comes out to the gates hot. He uh, so I, I've kind of kind of got this like offense value kind of thing that I do where. Um, so what do I do? I give one point for every strike, three points for a strike down, four points for like a grapple slam type thing, five points for a dive, and then for every five minutes of every five seconds of submissions um, that they do, it's like a point for each five. So, um, and then I use that to like on a graph to res- represent kind of who's dealing out the the damage type thing. So in that in that kind of first five minutes. Um, Brody Lee's up there with over 50 points worth of damage and Moxley only manages to dish out around about, I think it's about 24, 25. And the reason for that is even over the course of the match, John Moxley's throwing more offense in general. A lot of that is strikes, strikes that don't, um, don't knock Brody Lee down. Brody Lee goes heavy with the grapples in this match. Lots of slams from him. And in those first five minutes, he hits five, oh no, sorry, miscounted six um, grapple slams, which is, you know, quite a lot. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of the start of the match. They're far closer in the second five to 10 minutes, um, about 20 points worth of offense from Brody Lee and about 14 points worth of offense from John Moxley. So things have slowed right down. Um, Brody Lee's still on top. He hit three grapples in this portion of the match, including one off the top rope avalanche grapple. Um, whereas Moxley struggling to get in offense, but Moxley goes on a bit of a tear from minutes 10 through to 15. There's a double arm DDT there where Brody Lee kicks out at one big strong out. Um, but then there's, there's also just before that, there's the paradigm shift through the stage which of course busted Brody Lee open. And there's also a slew of strikes there from John Moxley, 14 strikes in a row. Um, he's really going for it. Paradigm shift and kick out. And he then needs to resort to the, the sleeper type, you know, head maneuver that wins it. So it's a very interesting match. Strong start from Brody Lee, more grapples than your um, average wrestler would do. And John Moxley kind of takes the punishment, is resilient, and then unlike his his usual performances, instead of just hitting the paradigm shift for the win, he needs to hit two plus the kind of snap double arm DDT and then submission. Which I kind of like that finish a lot. Uh, you know, going at it as like Brody Lee is this you know force of nature. You do the paradigm shift through the through the stage which busts him open then do another paradigm shift and then a sleeper it's like okay he's you know you know in in terms of being protected uh and you know it, like yeah. we don't want Brody Lee to look too weak the guy <laughs> went through the stage took another took another finisher and then got uh knocked out in 14 seconds which small amount of time but uh seeing as that he was bleeding from the skull I think it's reasonable on that end yeah, I mean the the short amount of time didn't like bury him or anything because he it was essentially literally after the kick out of the second paradigm shift of the match. 
Yeah, I, I, this was a very good match. You know, I, I'm looking at this, uh, you know, I top down. I, coming into this, I said on a previous show that this match wasn't necessarily one of a match that I was really looking forward to or whatever. But, you know, then it became, as we were going through the stats, you know, coming up with the how we are sort of seeing it based on stats, what this match looks like it's going to be. Um, and coming into this match, I was like, okay, I'm getting excited. Uh, it, it the looking at what we wrote down previously, Craig. The match is different than this match came out different than how we expected it. You know, let's just I'll rip off that band aid now. I mean, we we expected this match to sort of play out like uh, Brody Lee being this unstoppable force and Moxley trying to persevere. Uh, and instead, match offense fifty eight percent Moxley. Moxley gets a little bit more match offense. You know, he's reversing a little bit more. Obviously, butt ton of strikes, you know, but, you know, even though we've seen that strikes don't mm, potentially don't matter as much when it comes to a win in previous episodes. Um, but yeah, then even then, like Brody Lee with the grapples, Brody Lee with the reversals, even though he's got more reversals, whatnot. Um, yeah, it, it, it ended up being that, you know, even with double, <laughs> technically double the strike downs that uh, Moxley still gets the win over Mr. Brody Lee. I, I, yeah, I just thought it was very interesting. What do, what do you think? I think if you want to construct uh, like a kind of a statistical story here, you can. Like we've spoken a lot, and you alluded to it just there. We've spoken a lot about how like John Moxley has who was he? He was twelve, eleven or twelve wins on the bounce. I think it was twelve coming into this match, and in in a lot of the bigger matches there, he he'd taken more offense than he dished out. He was. Um, resilient. He was your resilient champion, mm-hmm. and they booked him very much as that. He takes a ton of beating. His opponents can't put him down. Then he hits the paradigm shift. And um, whereas here, to avoid oversimplifying the stats, just because Moxley got forty nine offensive moves in in total, and Brody Lee only got thirty five, and um, John Moxley only hit three grapples, a uh, dive, and fourteen seconds of. Um, submission everything else was strikes whereas Brody Lee um, hit 10 grapples and a dive so you know John Moxley didn't differentiate differentiate his offense that much Brody Lee was strong pulling out all the big power moves um, and like where John Moxley took the offense percentage in this match but if you take into consideration 40 of those and 40 of those were strikes and doing some quick counting here, 15, 18 of those came af- after um, Brody Lee had kicked out at one, after he'd taken the double arm DDT after the paradigm shift through the stage. So John, Mo- the statistical story here is that John Moxley only kind of took the match offense advantage here after Brody Lee had made that big statement of kicking out of the double arm DDT at one after he was busted open by going through the stage. So in a way, John Moxley broke his own pattern to put away the the kind of strength and power that Brody Lee had been built up to be in this match. Yeah. Also, to be fair, I guess a lot of those. Which strike- I'm really pleased with as a take from myself, just to. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta put over yourself i mean that's that's called self-confidence right there no i agree like it's 
Moxley broke from what we were expecting him. We were expecting him to be the perseverant one. We were expecting Moxley maybe to be the one that kicks out at one instead of Brody Lee or something. Being like, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not done, uh, Mother Trucker or whatever. Uh, Yeah, we spoke spoke at length about how he'd survived Pac and he'd survived the inner circle and he'd... Who else did he... Hager. Yeah, Hager and Jericho and the, the hardcore match with Omega where the stats has all been very much his offense was around 40 to 45% in those matches. Yeah. And here he, if anything, it's like, it's like he is a perseverant guy, but when he gets like, I mean, pissed off, he mm, goes yeah. for it. I was like, also, also to be fair, I was like, he's beaten down a guy who's busted open and already on the ground. So it's maybe his strike down numbers would have been higher. Brody Lee was standing. But uh, possibly, yeah, possibly. But but still, it's like he's he he sees that like Brody Lee is bleeding from the skull, you know. After that, you know that, that desperation paradigm shift through through the stage yes. goes for another one, and then just he's like, I gotta strike while the iron's hot, and he did. And that I I would argue one could argue is that's what really did it for John Moxley. It was almost a little bit of New Japan, John Moxley. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, bag of tricks. He beat Shingle with a submission in Japan when he when he didn't have the confidence that he could beat him in the striking match. So yeah, yeah, I'd I like mean, to that character. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, I, I'm interested. Obviously, you know, you're always interested where matches. Something that like uh, I was listening to like a preview recently. And I just remember the idea that like. You know, in, in other companies, you could have had a, a fake finish, but in AEW, there's going to be someone that wins. There's going to be someone that loses. So I'm always interested when it comes to like going into a match, but also coming out. Where are we going next with John Moxley? Where are we going next for Mr. Brody Lee and the rest of the Dark Order? You know, this was a loss. So what happens now for all of the, for both of these? Well, I guess Moxley, we know we know you know he's mm-hmm. going to date with Destiny with the the Machine himself. Um, and I think Moxley, Moxley's fine. He's but um, what they do next with Brody Lee will be interesting. Yeah, I I like this pattern with John Moxley's title defenses, where it's always against a guy bigger than him. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's Hager, it's Mister Brody Lee, it's Brian Cage. Mm-hmm. I I like the idea that like maybe they're building up this thing about like I wonder if the person that beats Moxley Moxley is going to be someone that's not oh. a big giant dude yeah that's that's almost like wwe brock lesnar yeah kick you know Samoa joe out of the ring easily enough braun Strowman, easily enough then he has trouble with daniel bryan aj styles finn balor it's it's someone that you're not expecting uh and Mm. what i mean is i was gonna say i one uh, the smart joke would be mjf but the real joke is orange cassidy swooping in well not really swooping in but it's walking slowly (laughs) walking over darby allen was the darby allen darby allen Allen. i don't know now they're coming out of double or nothing because obviously like predicting all that stuff is so far away but like prepping for like all out in August, right? August. Um, yeah, like I think so. Who, who, who will challenge for Moxley? Then that's the question I have. Assuming he can get over Brian, the machine, Brian Cage. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I you know I thought this was match. Uh, this match was good. Um, I, I obviously I talked about it. it was not necessarily the match I was expecting to see. Because yeah. um, I was expecting to see 
Birdie Lee like dominating Moxley, and there was no real like domination. I would argue. Um, I did really like the idea, and I j- joked with you earlier that I liked the idea that Birdie Lee was just sort of being a, a, a like you know a butthole for no reason, really. Like you know, just staring at Big Swole and sort of mm-hmm. taunting at Big Swole, or yeah. going over to the librarians and knocking over their laptops and books and whatnot. Um, which I just was sort of just like, I wonder if that's, I don't wonder what that is. Um, maybe that's, he's trying to recruit the Peter Avalon or whatever. I don't know. Who knows? He's, he's in a tough spot now though. Cause he's, he left, he left, you know, he left WWE, went to Jericho's podcast, said all that stuff. None of it unreasonable, but right. he built, he did build up expectations of himself. And like, I, I kind of like him. I kind of like the character, but I get the criticism and you know the the gear the gear's rubbish. The, I thought the... I thought this gear was the best he's had. I like so, so did I, but I've you know heard an awful lot of other people being down on it and I mm-hmm. get that too. I don't know, I just he he yeah, he he kinda I don't know, it's it's gonna be really interesting to see if they can make him work or not. I think the biggest thing is that that's troubling Brody Lee is like similar things that may be troubling, you know, like a Drew McIntyre type where it's like the moment they get this big push, a pandemic happens, like worst mm-hmm. case scenario. You know, if you're trying to push a guy, what really helps pushing a guy is having a crowd cheering them to really I know if it's working. Being, I think you're being too kind. I think I don't know if a crowd would have helped him too much. It might have even hindered him. Possibly. I mean, remember that he was supposed to debut in his hometown. Sure, yeah, and that might have given him a confidence boost and started things off right. I hadn't, yeah, I've forgotten about that. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Like, I mean, obviously, like, in his hometown, he probably would have gotten a huge-ass pop. And then the, the concern would then be how much does it transfer over week to week from city to city? Yeah. But obviously, we have no idea at this a lot point. Of things that have been criticisms of him would have been could have been reflected in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And you know, for for him at the moment, it's you know he can't be too disheartened because he hasn't seen you know he hasn't been in front of a crowd. He hasn't got the reaction. He's you know his he's still unsure of really how he's doing. It's hot. You know, Twitter is not the real world. It's not. Yeah. The, the judgments of Twitter you know it's it's a it's a subculture within itself mm-hmm. and he's not he's not been in front of that crowd yet but my feeling is that him being in front of a crowd might have been a more of a stark reality of where exactly his version of the dark order gimmick is yeah i don't think he would have got the response that he would have liked yeah, and it's also tough because he's also was like missing Dark Order participants. Yeah, yeah, this is true. It's, it's every it's one of the, it's one of those things where it's like it's really because it's it's one of those things where it's like it's really hard to gauge where mm. it could have been because it's talking about like it's such we're we're living in such a wild time that it's like the opposite of what's you know what I mean like it's yeah, yeah. and I'm I'm just guessing based yeah on we're all just guessing yeah. Uh, but either way, I thought this was a good match. You know, I, mm-hmm. I gave it four stars. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was a solid, great match. I really liked it a lot. Uh, I liked it a lot more than I was expecting at the very least. Maybe okay. our, my expectations were lowered. I don't know. 
but uh, my, I, I definitely right. like this. I did, there were some bits that I just really enjoyed. You're you're definitely you're definitely the face of this podcast thus far. I think I've been the grumpy <laughs> one. I'm saying three point two five. I think. Okay, that's not bad. So I was talking before about how I need to assign words to the numbers to help me make the judgments, and I I would say that a three's good and a three point five's very good. Mm-hmm. So I'd say like. 3.25 mm-hmm. i mean if i was being very mathematical i'd probably say something like 3.4 more towards very good but yeah 3.25 i can't wait for like months from now for you to have some sort of like i remember what was it in college my friend would rate movies based mm-hmm. on a list of criteria so <laughs> they would they would they would basically they would have like cinematography sure, ac- acting sure. directing production design etc 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 and give a grade out of one you know zero to ten on each of those points i think i think i see where you're going i think even as the stats guy for wrestling i I know i think it's a feeling (laughs) you can eat that it's you start getting that itch where you're like oh hold on (laughs) trust me i I, we talked about it previously where i have the the notebook where Mm. i have a google sheet currently what i'm working on is is potentially who can have the best in my opinion, potentially greatest match, I guess, across companies. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, I'm taking, like, everyone's matches and having some sort of a prob- Ooh, probability yeah. matrix of, like, oh, if if Sasha Banks wrestled Mayu Iwatani, what oh, kind of, what, what are the odds that I will, or what's the probability, I should say, mm-hmm. that I will like that match, or that's going to be a great match? See, I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping that the next, um, the next thing from Grapple is that they'll they'll convert their match ratings. You know, they'll extract from all their match ratings which wrestlers had like the the best kind of average. They like they kind of do it already. They like, for example, last year Will Osprey had the most um, matches in the top hundred or something, but like wrestler performance ratings or something as well. Oh, I agree. I mean, that's it's that's basically what I wanted from Grapple, and I decided, you mm. know what, I'll do it, and that's what I've been doing for the past yeah. year. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it does sound like it's like a a one man kind of operation there, so you know, it might <laughs> be a future type thing if it grows. We'll pitch it. We'll start pitching it. Uh, <laughs> let's start moving on to the buy-in, mm. which was a, a tag team match between Best Friend and Private Party to determine the number one contender for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. And it took place uh, in 15 minutes and 10 seconds with the best friends uh, winning on top with, of course, their was it strong zero finisher getting the victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you mentioned that this uh, match, you didn't see this match, correct, Craig? I mentioned what, sorry? You mentioned that you haven't seen this match previously? Um, no, no, I haven't watched this yet. Um, I, can, I, can, like, I can guess some stats if you want. Yeah, get, yeah. Get, let's do that. Let guess the stats. <laughs> um, no, no, I haven't. I haven't seen this this match yet. Well, uh, I'll, I'll guess I'll talk about it then. It, it was a good. It was a good match. It was an okay. Okay, it was an okay match. Uh, <laughs> it was sort of, you know, we were previewing it a little bit, and we were sort of looking at, you know, this match being like, okay. Private Party was sort of ahead of the demos of like strike downs, match offense, tags, double team maneuvers. Uh, just you know, they were doing this all despite being ranked very you know a, a lot lower than pri- best friends. You know, maybe there was you know even then like 
they take less offense. The reversal rate is higher. So like the idea was maybe private party can eat this out, but you're watching this match and I don't know what it was. Maybe it's the fact that private party are a little, uh, rusty from obviously pandemic issue stuff, but mm. this match was okay. You know, there was, there was a lot of tag team and double team maneuvers, but, uh, there was always, there was sadly, there was a, a couple botches that happened on private parties end um that did not make it look great um you know obviously like i there's no like botch stat and i feel like that'd be a mean stat to make but uh it's definitely this thing about like you know they went for a lot of double team maneuvers but then they just messed up or something didn't click or whatever i made a point to you earlier that it was weird because there's a moment in the match that Trent Beretta loses his bandana and it was sort of this oh. joke of like, Oh, he's, you know, he's got the bandana. It's always on. He never takes it off or whatever. And the moment he takes it off is really the moment the match fell apart. And I was just thinking to myself, like what that something about this bandana is magical or something. Sounds, I don't know. Sounds like, uh, sounds like a children's story. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's the next, uh, I young want, bucks, Adam I page, Cody's children's story. wrestler. Oh, okay. Take this. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it is, you know, the, uh, the magic, the magic gear. I don't know. Magic bandana. Uh, something like yeah. that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it is like all of a sudden, you know, it sort of fell apart or something. I was like, I don't know what's happening. Timing was off. There's a couple of botches here and there. I would, I would say, I wouldn't necessarily. This isn't a recommendation. I mean, it is free to watch online, so maybe mm-hmm. go for it if you have the time and you're bored. But it's, it's not will, really the huge I recommendation. I will watch it. Um, the reason I didn't, and this is out of the kind of wrestling world, but. I was writing reports this weekend for teaching, so my time was limited. I will watch it eventually, but um, the overall consensus seems to be that it was a bit of a private party match. They did some cool stuff. There were some botches. They're still a bit green. Yes, that seems to be. Yeah. Yes, I would. I would. I would agree with that consensus. It was definitely felt like a match that was supposed to potentially put over private party to make them look mm-hmm. good, but ultimately, best friends get the win. Instead, uh, it showcased private parties' greenness, um, which is fine. Which is you know, it's, which is fine because I, I, I don't think anybody goes into a private party match looking for a, you know, like a revival, standard tag team wrestling match. You know, you're you're there to see the, uh, the the dives and the, um, the impressive shooting star presses and the silly, um. Double team moves to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I I think part of the reason that, uh, you know, I guess maybe people have that sort of expectation or want better for private party is that, and I in a good this is a good way but also a bad thing that we look everyone looks back and thinks about that private party young bucks match and they remember yeah. that and commentary is putting that over like oh they beat the young bucks, and then you you keep reminding us about this match and that was a great match that was a really good match. But then it's like if something you forget that they're green, and when it comes to this, you're like, oh, okay, they're actually they're not as good as I remember them or whatever. Um, yeah, that's possibly just a case of the young bucks being better at wrestling than people perhaps think they are, and kind of holding that match together. Agreed. I would agree with that. I gave this what I give this match. I gave it two and a quarter. Yes, okay. two and a quarter stars. It was like uh, a lot of botches or whatever. It was just sort of fell in apart. It's yeah, one of those things. You know, if you if you have the free time, watch it. Obviously, you need to watch it for your stats eventually. 
but uh you know not a high recommend here let's move along to the casino ladder match for of course that future aew world championship match which was later revealed to be that the winner of this match goes on to fighter fest fight for the fallen fighter i don't and fighter fest fighter fest it was like one of those one of those f uh, (laughs) one of those f pay-per-views um this match of course uh involved a bunch of competitors but the winner was the mystery competitor which was the machine brian cage with taz in his corner um uh, making making his (laughs) brand orange towel making their his debut in the promotion defeating Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Joey Janela, who of course replaced Ray Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian. Frankie. Joey Janela was good as well. Yeah, he was real good. He, I mean, he he yeah. had to make he probably had to make up for a lot of Phoenix spots and stuff. You oh, know? Yeah. But he we did, did good. He did a good job. Big stuff. He did a good job. Uh, I love you know I love to see Joey Janela when he's when Joey Janela. Joey Janela seems like a guy that, and I don't and I don't mean this as a slight. But he seems like a guy that when he gets the tap on the shoulder that's like, hey, go, he'll go. But if, it, if he doesn't have that, he might not have, he's not going to have like a, a, an amazing match every single night. I've heard that he had a match, I think it was David Storm, he had a match with last year, like a two out of three fall, or no, Iron Man. Some like yeah. quite hard Iron Man match in Americana or something. Yes, America, American Rana. 2019 right. i think it was a 60 minute iron man match against david Starr. they previously had i think it was american rana 2018 mm-hmm. i believe they previously had like a the two of them well yeah the two of them david Starr, joey janela uh-huh. it was a um barbed wire match i think right. that's that's free online you can watch that that was a great match but yeah, I suppose like, that maybe that maybe lines up with what you're saying though he might need that He's he's not going to be your guy that holds the match together, but if he has, you know, a really good opponent, he can he can go. Yeah, or or even like if you need if you need someone to step up and like mm-hmm. you know really do he needs to do something great. Joey Janela is your consistent guy. I feel like. Yeah, I was surprised that he wasn't in this from the get go, and that Frankie Kazarian was. I can see that. Yeah, they they obviously wanted to on that end on the Frankie Kazarian and wanted to use him as that sort of like SCU against SCU mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I agree with that. I don't. I don't know why Joey Janela wasn't in to begin with. Um. Seeing when, that he when, was coming when back. I was when I was kind of trying to figure that out, I was like, "Well, is is something going to happen between SCU? Like, why why else is Kazarian in this?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, we we both saw this match, so we can talk about this a little bit. What were your thoughts? I guess we'll start off with this. What were your thoughts on Brian Cage coming to AEW? Um, so so I don't have stats for this match because ugh, be ridiculous. Stats for multi man matches like this are a bit contrived. They don't really tell you a huge amount. Um, Brian Cage, um, I like him. He's interesting, impressive looking guy. I think from my understanding of what I know of him from like impact, he does some quite, he's like one of these new modern um, Keefley ish big guys that can do some aerial stuff. Yes. I think. Yes. 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 I've, I've not seen a huge amount of him more out with like the kind of Sammy Callahan stuff. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, that, that bump, was it, was it Janelle or something? Do somebody got, um, What's the name of the move? The Death Valley Driver 
on top of so yes. essentially the bit where he gets buried under the ladders the guardrail and that giant poker chip mm-hmm. and then he's there for like a good few minutes maybe even like over five minutes mm-hmm. and then i think somebody gets death valley driver on I believe, top i believe joey janela joey janela death valley drives orange cassidy on right top. yeah that yeah that you just like think about how the ladders must have been sitting on top of him with the force put on top and yeah yeah no i I'm really excited about Brian Cage and then in AEW. Uh, you know, not only do you get a another big man in a company that was starting off of a lot mm-hmm. of smaller guys, but uh, but yeah, like you said, he is one of those modern big men that he can do moon salts. He can do all this stuff. Obviously, you know what made him well known in uh in the wrestling circle to begin with was his uh Lucha Underground run, where you okay. know, he was he was the machine, Brian Cage. Uh, and you know, he was, he was just this guy that can just put away people and he can go the distance. He can do these high flying sort of things. Um, despite being a ginormous guy, he, yeah. it's one of the that same idea. That's where he gets his name. It's like, how can this human do it? It was, well, he's not a human. He's a machine. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you mix in with mix in the suplex machine Taz into that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. exciting. I like that. That's very exciting. Uh, and I'm excited to see where Brian Cage goes. Obviously, he has now earned a AEW World Championship match at Fighter Fest. What do you think of the idea that's been kind of floating around on podcasts that, you know, wins and losses matter, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Guy comes in, title shot. Huh. Um, I don't know. I Because... I like the idea of wins and losses matter and that the and the rankings should be important. Uh you know obviously that that's what we like to hear is that you know you want someone that who is going to be the next challenger to be someone that is on a some sort of tear to then go challenge for whatever uh you know challenge for whatever title at this point now with two titles. Um but at the same vein there is something in terms of a booking style of having these sort of like, you know, the casino battle Royal or the world championship, you know, casino ladder match where it's like, you know, a bunch of lower card guys that are going to get an opportunity that they may not have anytime soon. So there's Mm. something, there's something value in that. Plus it's also, it is being that you answer to answer your question about it being like a new person like Brian cage. I don't know. I think it. I think it doesn't hurt. I mean, obviously, if you want to build Brian Cage up as a obvious main event level threat guy, then he needs to jump up immediately to a world title shot like this. You know, because if we didn't have a match like this, he would have to debut. I guess sort of he would have to act like a Brody Lee, where he would have to debut, then go on a tear through everybody in the in the promotion. And then have a world title shot. Um, obviously, we don't know when Fighter Fest is taking place, but um, I suppose it depends how they see him as well. If, like you're saying, it's a long term thing and he's in it for the long haul, mm-hmm. and they see him as as a guy in their main event scene for a while, then you know it, it makes it makes a lot of sense. And again, I don't I agree with you as well that you know I like the wins and losses too, and I like the idea of it being earned. I think if every single challenger has to climb the rankings every single time, then that that's that's going to get pretty tedious. It's like also, I, I was, 
fine with the Scorpio Sky thing. I thought that was good. Yeah, Scorpio Sky thing, the uh, Jungle Boy stuff. Mm. Obviously, that wasn't a world title shot, but still, it's something that it it allows when you're in between. I think keep the pay per views as your number one contender. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But these, you know, interspersing while we're waiting for August and we have to do a world title shot. Let's mm-hmm. do something like this where now he gets to challenge um, for the world title. Because um, I imagine Fighter Fest is just going to be a dynamite. Um, not like an oh, actual... yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it will be. Um, yeah, because Fighter Fest was in, uh, was working with CEO, but obviously CEO mm-hmm. Gaming yeah. is not <laughs> doing anything probably this year. Um, okay. uh, no, you know, no conventions this year. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, sure, of course. But yeah, I mean, it's a way to jump up people to get opportunities that they don't have. The problem and also variety, is it's variety as well. It can't it can't be the rankings, if, if, you know, every single time. That would that would kill it. Yeah, it, it it gives something that is it has variety and gives a fresh breath, you know. But also, it's it is this thing of if someone wins, they they've established with the casino battle royal that you know you do it, then you go off, and then you win or lose or whatever. There needs to be a point where someone wins the title. Um, you know, there needs to be a point where it's not a number one contendership opportunity. It's that someone wins, you know, let's say a Darby Allen wins the casino ladder match and then he wins the title. And it's like an upset sort of thing. He wasn't he wasn't he wasn't ranked at all mm-hmm. and yeah, he wins no, the title. No, no, no. Um, you know, there is something the idea of it being like earned in the ranking sort of defined that back earned a backdoor type thing, yeah. But eventually, doing these sort of things establishes that you can do that down the line, but there mm. eventually you have to do that. It's the same thing with like New Japan, where you have you know the G1 winner carrying around this briefcase and defending it. Um, they haven't done it yet, but eventually, someone has to. Oh, take the briefcase do they? i don't know no I, I agree with you what i agree with what ah, you're saying but i would G- argue G- that one winner loses briefcase oh. yeah and, and you obviously know it's going to be like a jay white or something the like keel guy who wins oh. it, who takes the who takes the briefcase off of someone will osprey wins the g1 and then jay white gets the shot yeah you know no. you know that's gonna have that's what's gonna be that's 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 heel heat baby um oh, but i don't know i i think it's in, in but at the same time, I bring up the New Japan example, and obviously they haven't done it yet. Yeah. What it is, is in a booking sense, it establishes an out in case you need something quick or, or whatever. You know, if, you know, Will Ospreay gets injured or whatever, I don't know, and, and you lose that main event, you have him lose a match, and then it goes to Jay White, and then Cody. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. It's, it's a good thing to have, like, if something's not working mm-hmm. and you need to pull the emergency trigger... This is what you do. Um, Mr. Kennedy and Edge, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And you can also do like a thing where it's like, you know, Jay White wins it from Will Ospreay and then Will Ospreay wins it back. And wins it back. Yeah. Yeah. That would be fine. It's like, that's, that's something too. But yeah, it, there needs to be, it, it's a way to have freshness. Um, but if you, if something's getting really stale and you need to surprise people, you do it. And then it, it's like, oh, okay. Whoa. Yeah. That sort of thing. And all yeah, of a sudden, yeah, it's also Brian Cage. He's you know he's been multi-time world champion, so I think it, they, mm-hmm. I can see why they view him as a big deal. Yeah, yeah, and I was I was happy I was happy to see him. Um, yeah, he's he's intriguing. Yeah, 
Uh, uh, what did I give this? I said it was a three star. I gave it a classic three, a gentleman's three. I heard. <laughs> what were your What were your thoughts on it? Uh, two point seven five, maybe go to a three. Okay. I, yeah, I was a bit disappointed by this. Um, maybe that was expectations. Yeah, I, I for me it was a little bit of expectations, a little bit of uh, a little bit. I think the, it was a little too long. It was quite long, yeah. Twenty eight minutes and thirty seconds. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Uh, let's keep the ball rolling. Let's talk about MJF versus Jungle Boy. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, MJF gets the victory 17 minutes into the match. Uh, Craig, hit me with those thoughts. Jungle Boy did slightly better in terms of total offense, um, but MJF's offense was a bit more varied, a bit stronger. He did more grapples. He did more strike downs, um, whereas Jungle Boy did more dives, as you'd expect, more submission from Mr. Maxwell Jacob. Feinstein, if you watch old stuff. Um, then when we look at the match, it's an it's a dead heat in the first five minutes. The way you know the way that I value moves with that kind of uh, number system I spoke about earlier. They got the exact same score. It's around thirty one, thirty two. Looking at graph, which is cool coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, Jungle Boy takes off. In the kind of the second period, the second five minutes, Jungle Boy hits no fewer than five dives. He really takes to the sky to get the advantage. And he kind of he almost kind of he kinda of, he kind of dominates MGF in the that little portion of the match. Um MGF catches up with him in from kind of ten to fifteen minutes, just just below him, and he kind of um out outdoes Jungle Boy ever so slightly in the last few minutes of the match. Um, controversial, controversial here. So around the kind of nine to eleven minute kind of mark, there is a bit. MGF's been struggling. He's not been in the match as much as Jungle Boy. Um, and what MGF does to rectify this is he takes to the sky. He does what I've been categorizing as a dive. Um, I use the word dive because I think that's what they call it on the kind of old wrestling games. It was just a diving move. Um, it's been pointed out to me that this is maybe not actually a dive. It is. It is within the dictionary definition of what a dive is. Um, I'm a teacher. I know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Lance. Um, <laughs> um Sorry, I've lost my train of thought. I've completely <laughs> distracted myself. Yeah, MGF does what is a diving foot stomp, stomp from the second rope. The exact same move that he did the last time, a move that was called by Excalibur a diving foot stomp on the dive on the AW Dark, the you know, the show after that Twitter thing, if you know what I'm referring to, mm-hmm. which we're not gonna bother going into. Um yeah, that 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 MGF stepped slightly out of character. He put a little bit more effort in. He took he took a, a slight risk. Um, Jungle Boy could have drop kicked him out of the sky. It's it, you know it's it's out with MGF's kind of manifesto, if you will. Um, however, MGF won a very technical match, a very well wrestled match, um, with a slight bit of cheating at the end. There he shoves um, Aubrey Edwards into the rope to to knock. Um, Jungle Boy off the top rope as he went for another dive, perhaps going for dive number, what, what would we be on to at that point? Going for dive number six was maybe 
going to the well once too often um, from Jungle Boy. Yeah, I, I, MJF being a guy that is, you know, the character... I'm going to say this to on your end. the MJF being the guy that is the character of a bully. Um, <laughs> uh, he is someone that he, he doesn't... Uh, what's the word? I, I don't want to say careful. You're you're killing you're killing the Twitter trolls version of Santa Claus. <laughs> I love that we're just referencing a bunch, but not really outright saying it. Maybe that's all. Maybe that's another episode for another day. Um, but uh, MGF is a guy that's like a bully, and it's it, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to, I don't know if this is necessarily the word, but the guy like he doesn't necessarily like value what his opponent is going to bring to the table because obviously he's a guy that he believes that he's better than you. So that when all of us, you know, even then, look look at this match. They start off basically the same, and then Jungle Boy mm. jumps ahead, and MJF is probably thinking to himself, oh, shit, he's he's getting the upper hand. I need to do something that stops him. You know, he mm. knocks he knocks referee Aubrey Edwards into the ropes. He goes for another dive. You know, he, he has to do stuff that's like, okay, I need to go outside of my comfort zone of being a, yeah. a, a bully to get back this upper hand and get the victory. Um, and then, and then eventually get an actual win with a pretty solid roll up there. Move, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, he needs to go, he need he's a bully. And then once the opponent starts winning, he's like, has to not be the bully. He has to be like, okay, I have to do, I have to prove that I'm actually good. It's like, he yeah, is actually really, good. He's just like lazy. Much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. He can do it. He just doesn't. He doesn't. He do, he feels that he doesn't need to, which is you know he he goes with his bully, he goes with his character, which is like it's the perfect thing because it's the perfect thing for this promotion as well. Is that he's a guy that's this is a character, but when he needs to pull it out, it characteristically makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's um, oh, who am I thinking of? Um, Flip Gordon, I think, was a really he's like maybe the most obvious kind of version of that like you know his his literal gimmick was he did loads of flips it was all over his you know his literal name his gear and everything mm-hmm. and then when he joined villain enterprises he now i don't watch a huge amount of ring of honor but from what i've seen he essentially stopped doing flips unless it was absolutely necessary yeah yeah it's he ha- he has the skills but he won't do it unless he yeah, asks, asks what he needs like to. and mjf is the same way and i liked it uh, obviously, MJF here sometimes does that as well, doesn't he? He'll like go to the top rope, crowd start cheering, and he kind of waves them off and just kind of hops down. Yeah, I think maybe. Don't know. I have to remember. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was a really good match. I thought you know mm-hmm. it makes right. the story of the match. I thought was really good. You know, being being done in what was it, uh, seventeen minutes? I thought it was a really solid seventeen minute match. Um, it was definitely those, one of those matches. Obviously, that's the the sort of the advertising of it is that these are the future of the promotion, future of wrestling in yeah, general. Absolutely. And it was a, like a really good match that made you like feel, it made you feel like confident in the future of wrestling. You know, where it's like, oh, this was good, and it also makes you can't wait for Jungle Boy to eventually get the win over MJF. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the thing; they're they're foil for each other. Like you've got your detestable heel and your very natural baby face like you're you know jungle boy is something that wwe just can't have they they can't book this kind of character they can't book baby faces but this this guy's a fantastic baby face and then mjf bounces off that fantastically well because it's even better when he's horrible and then jungle boy's got something to rally back from it's yeah they work perfectly together 
And I do want to say in regards to that Jungle Boy being a fantastic babyface, just to put a little button on top of that, he hasn't said a single word in this promotion. Yeah, yeah. He's just wrestling, and he is a great. And people are saying that he's a great babyface. That's just I. I think that goes to show that they That's know what they're doing. Well. You know, he's he's got. You know, he's projecting himself out talking. It's, you know, that's great. It's perfect. I gave this three and a three quarter star, just a, a ear shy of mm. four stars. I thought I really, really enjoyed this match. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same, 3.75. Okay, let's keep moving down the line with the AEW TNT Championship match between Cody yeah. and Lance Archer. Uh, of course, this was a match that everyone was sort of getting ready for. Of course, of the inclusion of Iron Mike Tyson, how can you not get ready for it? Um, but yeah, uh, greatly excited about this match uh, as we were growing, going towards it. Lance Archer being this this gentleman that he not only dishes, he not only is like a heavy hitter with his number of strike downs and whatnot, but is also a guy that can he asks for a lot of punishment, so he can sort of in a way absorb a lot of punishment. Cody being also like the ace of the promotion, uh, being a guy that, you know, he, he can do a pretty good job. So, I mean, with that out of the way, Craig, what are you thinking of this match? Um, so running through the stats, Cody, 52% of the offense, just outdoes Lance Archer. Uh, we've spoken a lot in the past about how that's, that's not an issue for Lance. He takes the punishment, laughs in your face, and then kicks you twice as hard. Mm-hmm. Um he had a better range of offense than Cody, which seems to be a pattern in this pay-per-view. Um, Cody, 41 strikes to Lance's 30. However, Lance, eight grapples to Cody's four. Uh, two dives each. Um, Cody, submission time of 24 seconds. Lance, 44 seconds. Um, Cody hit three finishers. Lance hit two. So interesting statistics there. Um, when we're kind of looking at... The, the flow of those throughout the match. Um, Lance did start start heavier, quite literally. He hit the the blackout. It was the first defensive move of the match. Um, and he he dominated that first five minutes. He dominated the second five minutes. And he dominated the third five minutes. Um, the kind of, if you can imagine the graph, it's those, that line for the, that kind of 15 minutes, they're, they're almost um, parallel. Lance kind of essentially controls Cody at the same pace for the first 15 minutes. Or if you don't um, want to visualize the graph, you can always watch the show on YouTube if you're not listening, you're not watching on YouTube. Yes, and there will be there will be an article with these pictures on the website as well. So yeah, don't don't, you know, don't try to imagine. <laughs> I just want to put that little pin, put that little plug in there. But continue. Yes. Um but then as we hit 15 minutes, things change almost immediately. Cody hits a top rope cutter which is a signifier of a big tide change lance does kick out at one one at a one count um staying strong cody hits a flurry of strikes um an eventual um crossroads which gets a two count and there's also an avalanche reverse brain buster as we head towards 20 minutes and which was a, a really well done really cool looking move um uh, just before the 15 minutes mark, sorry, we there was the kind of the DDT spot, the spine buster spot from the two men mm. looking down the managers. But yeah, just before 20 minutes, we've got that reverse brain buster. Um, there's the, the the Mike Tyson stuff. Arn gets kicked out. Um, Jake gets kind of stared down by Tyson. And Cody hits two crossroads to get the win. 
Uh, some people have suggested that Corey won this because Archer was lost without Jake because he was distracted by Jake being kicked out by being an old man being threatened by a professional boxer, <laughs> perhaps. And um, yeah, yeah, I, the yeah, I have a I have a small little theory in that regard. Of course, if you're looking at the match offense pool here, obviously Lance Archer gets the victory. And we sort of alluded to it in a previous Dustin Rose Lance Archer match where Dustin, you know, he's getting his ass kicked in, but then uh he gets that little spike of offense in, but then eventually Archer gets the win. Um and so my my theory on this match of why cuz you know, I'm looking at the stats, looking at the numbers, looking at the previous things, it's sort of like why did Lance lose? You know, he has more strikedowns, which we've talked about being a potentially good factor. His even with just smaller average match offense, he still gets wins. So uh, it's been it's been a trend for him. It's and even looking at the reversal rates. It's you know he's still been the you know only had twenty percent previously. Now in this match, nineteen percent reversal rate. Why is he? Why did he lose? And my theory being is that in that spike of offense, in that in that um, in that uh, comeback, I guess that Cody had. During that period, uh, it became the whole shenanigans period with Arn Anderson, you know, messing up Archer at one point, hitting the ropes, and then they getting kicked out, and then, you know, no, uh, Jake the Snake being there or whatnot. Um, my theory being that maybe that was a turning point and enough of a distraction potentially for Archer that Cody was able to remain on top as well. Um, so yeah, I was just interested by that point of like, I wonder if. Because it's like, why why should Archer lose here? And it, I think it's potentially because of Art Anderson's not only interruption in the match, but then the mm-hmm. distractions and everything that followed suit. Yeah, I suppose the, the only thing that um, arguments that you, I, I kind of suggested to you earlier is that Cody's comeback is very, very dramatic. He goes from kind of like an offense kind of um, value of around, around 16 um, for the five minutes to, uh, from kind of 10 to 15 minutes and then he jumps up to 40 in 15 to 20 and that's this is just just before uh, the managers are rejected so it is it's a big rally it's a big it's a big comeback and that that avalanche brain buster in particular was that was a it was a big move but but yeah you can you could look at it either way yeah i mean compared to dustin in that tnt championship tournament Dustin's comeback looked to be, you know, his offense value looked to be the peak at 35-ish. So mm-hmm. there's also there's the argument to make that Cody's, you know, comeback was a stronger comeback and it was yes. able to yeah. retain the um uh match uh what what uh remain he was able to re- control the match for mm-hmm. longer. Um remain in control for the match longer. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I also love Iron Mike Tyson being the uh, being a, this author- authoritative, authoritarian like, oh yeah, respect the referees. You're out of here. Everyone's out of here. Hey, don't get involved. I'll beat you up with my fists. Uh, He's well known for that kind of behavior. Well known for being respect the authority. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was all. You know, I I heard um, it was on, it was on another podcast the other day. They were talking about how I, I think I agree about how like. I think it was Grapple Podcast, and they were talking about how having Brody Lee and Archer both lose, you know, the big guy, two big guys that they've built up, having them both lose on the same night is perhaps kind of not the best call. 
because neither of them are looking as strong as they were. Neither of them are, you know, both of them are kind of have lost their aura somewhat. And to go from having two very similarly booked big men to, you know, neither of them being in the same position might might be um, somewhat debilitating for, for their booking going forward. I would I would agree definitely with Brody Lee in that regard, but obviously we've sort of mentioned in a previous episode that with a loss, Brody Lee, the Mister Brody Lee as a character, can eat, take this loss and do something with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Lance Archer, I don't know, I don't know if I agree with that because you know you look at I agree with that like both guys losing is not the greatest thing, but when you even look at the stats in this match, he didn't do anything different in this match than he did previously. Um, yeah. So it, it's sort of I, I I see what that mean what they're saying about both big guys you know eating loss here, but Archer didn't do anything differently. He just got in, distracted by Iron Mike Tyson and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, no, I I get it. The distraction thing being there to keep him strong. Yeah, I yeah, he just he doesn't have the most obvious path forward now. Like that's true. I don't. I really don't want to see the WWE thing of. Oh, don't want him to be intercontinental champion. We want to push him into the world title picture. So he's going to lose the intertitle, intercontinental title shot, and then we'll have him challenge for the big one. You know, the next pay per view. For, for me, that's that's like really dumb booking. Uh, yeah, I guess we have the what TNT title tournament battle royal thing on the upcoming Wednesday to figure out what happens next with Cody. But Lance, obviously Lance could still be involved. Lance could even win that match, maybe. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, we could always... I guess you can also do the Brotherhood, Cody and Dustin Rhodes versus Lance Archer and Sean Spears, mm. um, <laughs> which is weird. Um, oh, but then you get Tully there as well. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you get Tully yeah. and Jake on one side versus Arn. That's something. Um no, but yeah, I, there's it's these interesting ideas that are playing with, and it's the same idea that we sort of talked about, Bro, Mr. Brody Lee is mm-hmm. is w- at pay per views, wins and losses truly like they are important, and we're going to have a win and loss. So what happens to the loser? Yeah, we'll yeah. see. I mean, it's the same thing as we'll eventually get to with the inner circle, I guess. Um, but let's keep moving down the card. Oh, what should I say? I gave this match three and a quarter. Is what I gave it. Uh, ooh, interesting. Um. I really like this show. <laughs> oh no, I'm not. I'm not going low on that. Um, it was a good match. I was engaged. Was it very good? No, it was not. I'd give it three because, yeah, I wasn't. I don't. I didn't like the overly booked. Yeah, three. Give it a three. Understandable. Let's keep moving down to a match that was not what we what we thought we were going to get. Obviously, with what happened on the previous AEW Dynamite. It was Chris Statlander defending, and not defending, but defeating Penelope Ford, who of course replaced Britt Baker in the singles match, five minutes and thirty seconds. Uh, quickly, we'll, let's talk about this five-minute match here. What happened? Yeah, will we? Um, how much detail do you want to go into? Will we kind of rush through this one so to not drag on forever? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard because it's obviously that we thought. I do want to talk about just that that beautiful chef's kiss of a match offense graph. That it's oh, just yeah. two lines intersecting. That's like, oh, Chris Statlander did not start off 
with a lot of offense, and then she beat her. <laughs> she got more. Yeah. So if this if this was a if this was a football match, um, this is the the tale of two halves. Um, this is an eight minute, eleven minute, uh, live eight minutes, eleven seconds match. Um, Ford starts strong with around thirty eight offense value in the first five minutes, and then sinks to like twenty five in the second. Uh, Statlanders around like twenty four kind of value at the beginning and then ends up at around uh 38 by the end so the, the it, you know the it's 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 a cross yeah no I, I thought this was good i i thought it was really i gave it three stars it was, it was good i gave it three stars i thought it was a good match um very simple story obviously they lost a lot of build that was hitting with this with the brit baker aspect of it all i i imagine you know i imagine if brit baker was in it she probably would have won um, i think so yeah but I thought this was still good. You know, I, I thought, you know, you know, Penelope forward gets a lot of offense in. She looks good. Um, good, good amount of strikes, uh, grab, you know, she, she didn't really have the top numbers in every category mm-hmm. per se, but she, she had a lot of pin attempts, which you always gotta, gotta, it's the same sort of idea of, uh, football, right? Is that, you know, you, you gotta go for a lot of shots cause yeah. you know, some of those shots are going to be goals. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that's fine. No, it's fine. I can I can talk with that. I <laughs> I, I know proper sports. Um, so um, Cristiano Ronaldo, second best football player in the world, and um, generally hit top of top of the charts for like shots attempted. He he shoots all of the time, and a lot of them go in, a lot of them a lot of them miss. But you know he, he scores a, an awful lot of goals, and it is you know he's he he's he's um he's buying a ticket, and Penelope Ford bought a ticket here, but. Um, Statlander, Statlander was too much for her, um, and I, I don't know. I would say that like Penelope Ford sometimes comes in for criticism for her stuff being a bit clunky, like it looks great, but it doesn't always fit together. A bit like Private Party, yeah. And um, there was a bit of criticism of her. Um, was it? It was in that Fatal Four Way match. There's a there's a bit where Britt Baker's like waiting around for a long time yeah. before Ford hits the uh, the kind of gymnastics kind of cutter thing. And that she was obviously supposed to hit next in the match, and it just the timing wasn't there. Um, but I don't, I don't think any of that was present in this match. Um, and I thought, I thought Chris Statlander was absolutely fantastic. She shone through. She was impactful, and she was very, very charismatic. For me, she, she um, really, really shone through in this match. Um, I give it about two point seven five, maybe a three. It was short, but it was, it was an easy watch. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's it's one of the things of Penelope Ford. It's it's she is, I, I feel like Penelope Ford is like the embodiment of the AEW women's division in this in the sense that they're still a little yeah. green. They still have a lot of work to do, but every once in a while they they get something that really works. You know. Yeah, I like that analogy. Yeah. That she she you know she in this match she's not always the best. She has a lot of flashy stuff, but sometimes she gets it and she goes for it. And it was a good. Mm-hmm. This is a great job on Penelope Ford stepping up into this match. I thought she did a really good job. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Uh, let's keep moving down the line, which, was, which was, oh my god, what a match! Dustin mm. Rhodes versus Sean Spears. Oh my god, you, you oh man, you, let's talk about it. I can talk about it for hours, for days, even. Um, right. This was crap. <laughs> um, I don't. I, I don't know who emailed Vince McMahon and asked them how asked him how they should book this match. 
but I'm sure he was absolutely delighted by the results. I'm sure he was laughing his backside off at whatever pyramid he lives in, surrounded by slaves. And this, this, this was, this was, and people have said that it was fine. It was a contrast, whatever. I didn't like this. I thought it was embarrassing for Sean Spears. Um, I don't think he was all that embarrassed. I think he maybe even enjoyed playing the part. I don't know about this, this, this. And again, I, I, I'm not saying I would have rather seen Dustin Rhodes versus Sean Spears for 15 minutes, but I, I, I think you could have cut this. I don't think we needed this. The show was long enough. Yeah, I think this... this... Go on, say something positive. Sure, yeah, I'll do my... I'll be, I'll... Oh, contrast. <laughs> that, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. I think... I, I think this match this match felt like cl- a classic like kind of crappy old WCW thing where it's like okay. du- we're still using Dustin Rhodes in the promotion so we need him to come back at some point so we need a guy a, you know a shitty little crappy little heel to to make it to make Dustin Rhodes look great on his return mm. and obviously you know go back to the Jake Hager Dustin Rhodes match where it was also a thing that was like that wasn't that good. I think it, maybe there's a consistent idea that when Dustin's doing a match, maybe it's he's going for that old, really old school sort of idea, and it just doesn't really play. I mean, remember Dustin Rhodes had the bit in the other match where in the Jake Hager match where he kisses Jake Hager's wife. Yeah. Uh, and in here, it's we have a weird sort of whatever stripped down match um, with Tully Blanchard yeah, on Sean Spears' thing. I, I, I do. Anybody should be having their clothes ripped off. I don't. <laughs> Unless it's a tuxedo match, then that's the whole point. Just because it's a man, I don't think. I still don't. Uh. I I do. Uh, there is the aspect. I agree with the idea that like there is this contrast to it, and I understand why people are like, "Oh, it's a contrast. It's a variety show sort of thing." But I think the problem with it was that the contrast was too different. It was too out of like it is. It was just like. You know, yeah. we had a previously the last match was pretty good. Him. Like it could have been Sean Spears turns around, sees him, punches him a couple times, runs at him, power slam. Watch that power slam all day. It's it's incredible. Um, finisher pin. You know that would have been fine. Yeah. But- I just I just it wasn't it wasn't for me. I thought it was really really dumb. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what? I mean, if there's anything to pull from the stats that we're looking at, I mean, Dustin caught Sean by surprise and it just utterly destroyed him. You should see this. You should see this graph, though. (laughs) (laughs) Can you call it a graph? (laughs) If you if you thought the last graph was a chef's kiss, this graph is just oh my god! It's a Thanos snap of a graph. Yes, Um, Uh, I would give this a one, and I think I'm being generous. Oh, I, if you're being generous, I was being overly generous. I gave it uh, one and a quarter. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> I, I, like, that was like, there's some, I was like, there's maybe it's, you know, they, I don't know. I was trying to be, not, I guess I was like in a good mood when I saw this, but it mm, didn't make okay. me overly upset. Shall, but, we, uh, shall we move along? Because I, I have another contrast for you. <laughs> let's move along because I have something better to do, which is talk about Hikaru Shida defeating Nyla Rose in a no disqualification, no countout match to win the AEW Women's World Championship. You said you have another contrast. What are we talking about here? Well, if if the function if the function were of the Sean Spears nonsense was to um, lower the bar so that this could kick the bar into the stratosphere, it worked. This was. <laughs> 
this this would have been my favorite thing on the card if it wasn't for the last match. Um, I really enjoyed this. I I think Hikaru Shida is an absolute star. I think she's fantastic. She really brought the charisma, the intensity, um, and yeah, these two wrestled a really, really good match. Yeah, I thought this was really, really good. Um, you know, looking at these stats here, the the biggest conclusion I can draw out of this, obviously, it being a no DQ, I didn't really have a preview set up for it, but I do have to uh, shout out, of course, the the weapon attack stat were for fouls. We talked about it for weeks about how we didn't have a weapon attack stat, and guess what, baby? You love to see it. Here it is. Um, you love it. Uh, but no, I what I picked out of from it stats wise is just that. Hikaru Shida uh, out is a very is a good technical wrestler, and I think mm-hmm. Hikaru Shida just outlasted, out wrestled Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose, fifteen weapon attacks, you know, uh, uh, seven grapples, uh, you know, decent amount of reversals and pin attempts and stuff. You know, constantly trying to beat down Hikaru Shida, but Shida just for just for sorry to jump in, just for emphasis there. Um... Hikaru Shida threw 35 strikes yeah. and used weapons or did what would usually be called a foul seven times. Um, Nyla Rose, 13 strikes and um, 15 either weapon strikes or maneuvers that within traditional rules would have been a strike, uh, a foul. Mm-hmm. So she's she's gone you know, out with the traditional rules more in this match than she's done any other form of attack. Yeah, I mean, and then even looking at the, the the sort of the macros of it all, like fifty seven percent match offense for Sheeta, which was mm-hmm. beating her, beating Nyla Rose by forty three. Reversal rate for Sheeta was twenty two versus Nyla Rose's thirteen. You know, you know, we talked about earlier that you know the more strike downs you do, won't necessarily lead you to a victory. You know, even though not a lot of data, we sort of talked about that. But even in yeah, even when we even when we reference, like I guess what that would actually also show is that not doing a lot of strike downs lead to a victory, which in this case, this is supported. 11% Sheeta versus Nyla Rose's strike down rate of 23%. Um, I guess strike down was one more strike down, but comparatively yeah. to the rest of the um, offense. The, the data was done on um, like quantity of strike downs mm-hmm. rather than like strike down rate. I haven't gone into that yet. Yeah, I think... I th- Yeah, and I think this would, that's what this match tells me is that Sheeta just was a better technical wrestler than Nyla yeah. Rose. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really interesting the way that Nyla Rose is booked in AEW, you know, dominant monster. Um, 43% offense isn't unusual for her. She she rarely, like, dominates her opponents in the match. Like, she, she hits big moves and they look impactful, and that's how they're presenting her as dominant. It's not. It's not by... And prolonged periods of like beating down. No, no, it's not. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought this was a really good match. I, I think she did a, good, did a really good job. I mean, looking at that flow of offense mm-hmm. graph, you know, Nyla Rose starts off very hot and heavy, but just the car, she did just consistent. You know, she, she gets the little bit of comeback, but stays consistent. Um, about yeah, getting, being, doing more than and that. Yeah, it's, it was, it was kind of, it was a, Good flow that they gave the match. Um, Nyla Rose, really, really strong start, and then kind of crashed and tried to rally, but you know she didn't let her, and yeah. that was it. 
I, I it was a great match. It was, I I think it was like the greatest. I might have. It's definitely in the. T- I think it's in the top five women's division matches. Not in, in this in promotion AEW. In, in, in AEW. Uh, it's definitely up there. Ooh, I, this was a really I good match. I don't know if I think they. I was about to say I don't know if they've done anything better. Um, I would say the Britt Baker the Karushida match was better. Mm-hmm. And uh, then maybe this one. I, I I think top five would be Baker Shida this swing. match. Uh-huh. I think the first ever you know the Kyla Kylie Ray match. Oh yeah, that was a good match. That was really good. I think Riho Nyla was pretty good, the first one. Yeah. And then and then maybe the is that five? Maybe. Oh, no, I wasn't counting. I was just listening to the and matches, if I, yeah. If I had to think of another one, maybe the January 1st Fatal 4-Way for the title. I think that was also fairly mm, good. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's good. This was a really good match. I gave it three and a this half is, stars. This is number two for me. Maybe recency bias, but yeah. Yeah, I, I gave it three and a half stars. I thought, I mean, I, I don't, there's nothing really much to say to pull out of it in terms of the technical mm-hmm. stuff because, you know, we were sort of looking more at the men's division previously. Yeah, you know, do a better job, I guess, folks looking at the women's and tags. But uh, this match was good. I mean, looking at just these match stats. I mean, you like we said, Sheeta out technical Nyla Rose and out technical mm-hmm. the monster. That's all you have to do, folks. Three and a half stars. Slap it, slap it on there. Three point seven five. I think I'm going. I don't think I'm going to hit four. That's yeah. I get that. I get that. I think there is a little bit of the walk and brawl element that you know. Yeah. That you you want you and yeah that's a good point. I don't usually actually no that's not true. I was about to say I don't usually enjoy these matches. Actually, I, I do. I enjoy both types, so it's fine. <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> then I guess we'll move on. We'll move on Next, to the I'll to the final main sparkling, event. Sparkling um, analysis there. <laughs> Let's move on to the main event, which was the Stadium Stampede match, the first ever Stadium Stampede match, where it was uh, the Elite. Adam Page, Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, and Matt Hardy defeating the inner circle team of Jericho, Hager, Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz. Obviously, like we talked about way earlier in the show, not really much statistical analysis when it comes here because it was just, you know, talking walking brawls. <laughs> it was that was that. Um but what were your thoughts? What were your thoughts of this match, Craig? Um do you do you want to share first the way that this is set up? It's as the host, you then have to throw it to me. Do you want to? What did you think? Oh, throw a little, a little throwback here. Mm. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, <laughs> I liked it a lot. Were you, were you concerned that I wouldn't like it? No, it's just like, what's your analysis? I liked it. I liked it. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. Um, obviously, it's hard to talk about it. You know, the basis of the yeah. show is statistics and analytics, and it's really difficult to do, you know, talk about that part. It's really just, we're sort of just reviewing the match and what we lo- thought about it. I thought it was really, really good. Obviously, this was a semi-pre-taped. I think it might have been the whole thing was pre-taped. I think it was pre-taped, yeah. Um, you know, I guess you can argue that it's one another one of those cinematic matches, which I was talking with my co-host from Hit the Books, Mikey, and I, I said that was really, really good. Um, or really, I really, I thought it was great, honestly. Um, mm. But I, I liked it that no one on the internet seems to be talking about this being a cinematic match. And I think the reason, part of the reason they're not doing that, is because it was shot like a wrestling match. Yeah, you know, it was yeah. shot like a, a walk and brawl sort of thing. Even though there was parts, it was pre-taped, and there was parts that it was obviously meant to be sort of cin- cinematic with the whole 
matter of fact or the bar scene with Hager and uh, Paige. Um, you know I just put this together in my head now. It 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 was more like the the Matt Jackson Nick Jackson match than any of the other. Oh yeah, um, cinematic matches. Yeah, I would say that it, it which had cinematic esque elements. elements. Yeah, but yeah, it was definitely something that it, it stayed true to being a wrestling match first and not a movie first. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I really liked it. Obviously, there's some times where it was a movie, but I still liked it. I thought, you know, it, in terms of it being more like a wrestling match, I would compare it to WWE's Money in the Bank match compared to its other sort of things. But the I do, would also say caveat to that was that this match's comedy was way better. It wasn't like hokey or anything. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was funny. I thought it was good. Um, I really enjoyed the Money in the Bank ladder match. You were a big fan yeah. of the Money in the Bank ladder nobody, match. Yeah, nobody else did, but I really liked it. Is that hold on? Is that fact or are you being sarcastic? It's really no, hard to tell sorry, sometimes. I, I'm quite sarcastic quite a lot, but no, I, I genuinely like the Money in the Bank ladder match. Oh man, this is a conversation and, we are going to have off air, which will get derision from a lot of people. This is good. this is a conversation you and I will have out there. Uh, but yeah, I, think, I I think for that match, it's because my I was like my, the way that I the way that I look at AEW and WWE are very different. Yeah, they're no they're in way different leagues, right? Yes, I mean they are. Like, oh, well done, guys! That's a really good match. Go get them, WWE. You know, kind of like talking to a child, where if it's like AEW, it's like, huh, that little bit there didn't really make as much sense as it could have. Yeah. Yeah, it and also there's a lot there's faith behind AEW versus mm-hmm. WWE where you're just like, huh, okay. Like, uh, there's so many comments about like you come in expecting it to be bad. Where here, I've never come in expecting a match to be bad. Even Dustin yeah. Rhodes Spears, I came in expecting it to be like a match. Um, you know, then being let down, but that's besides yeah, the point. I would have criticized that heavily if it was WWE as well. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I thought, you know, I thought it was good. Like I said, it was shot like a wrestling match. So it was great. There's so many great moments in it. Of course, the hundred yard touchdown, the moonsault off the mm-hmm. field goal, um, the bar scene in general, I oh, thought was great. The bar scene was tremendous. Oh, so good. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I, I did not like the Matt Hardy matter of fact stuff as much, but I, it was, yeah. It was, you know, played down a little bit. It was still kind of good. I, I was okay like, with that. I wasn't, I wasn't as hard on that as a lot of people have been. Yeah, I, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying it was bad. I'm saying at the very mm-hmm. least, it was, it wasn't as good as other things. Pushed it a little bit. Um, or what was it? Uh, Ortiz getting his bell I, rung and then just convulsing for a full minute. Yeah. Do you know what I did like? I liked the bit where. Um, Ortiz and Santana were leaving the pool, and I think it was Ortiz just went, he dead, and they just they just looked like so okay with it. They just like killed the guy, and they're like, eh. <laughs> that's fine, that's fine, I guess. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I I like the idea that like Santana Ortiz. I liked that it was Santana Ortiz because there we do have like actual wrestlers in every once in a while, but every once in yeah. a while, all everyone in this promotion kind of like umps amps up the cartooniness a little bit mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. especially ortiz he he he's not yeah. afraid to become a cartoon character um yeah quite well. uh, but uh, which you know i i think it's fine um because there's because at the same time you know versus other promotions this they're amping up the cartooniness but it's still within the world of a wrestling match or wrestling mm-hmm. show 
Um, so it still kind of works, which I, I think is fine. What did you think of this? Match? This wasn't this wasn't portrayed as they were going to do blood and guts. This didn't have the same kind of people came came in kind of expecting something a bit crazy and probably like a plunder brawl or some high spots. And when you're going into that kind of thing and you get lots of comedy thrown in as well, you're like fine. Yeah. If, if you tuned into Dominion 2018 and saw this in the the Okado Kenny Omega main event, you'd be like you'd be furious because it's not it's not what you tuned in for. Yeah, I think watching what you said, the BTE Matt Jackson versus Nick mm-hmm. Jackson match, then also watching the um the uh, uh Chris Jericho Sammy Guevara versus uh, Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega match that you know brawl street fight match yeah. uh, you know watching those two matches you're sort of prepared to there is a level of expectation that you're like okay i've seen what i what it kind of might be before and i liked what they did so going yeah. into this match you're like okay i'm yeah i think i'm excited i think this this and that that's really good point to bring up i think this was the evolution of that street match mm-hmm. yeah i 100 agree what did you think of this match uh, yeah i loved it it was great um i you know, I, I I wouldn't ever rate this kind of match as highly as some of like my favorite wrestling matches that are more like competition based sports ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I kind of thought it was more a bit like a feature episode. It was it was hilarious. Loved Chris Jericho doing the you know the witch hat. He just did the same thing again, but I loved it so much the first time. Happy to be reminded of that. And mm-hmm. um, I've called it the VAR spots, but like I think they called it. Um, challenging the call oh yes when when he challenged Aubrey Edwards on the two counts and then they had the argument in the tent and then they come out and he's just like um oh my goodness oh I'm trying not to swear on this because like as a teacher I feel like I shouldn't swear on the internet so I'm not gonna but he's like you're a referee (laughs) um the bar with the, the milk and and the buckshot lariat off Kenny Omega's back and um, them just hitting Hager repeatedly with those sugar glass champagne balls. I, um, I can't believe all every single one of those worked, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I worked in production. If you if you hit those sugar glass champagne bottles incorrectly on someone, it will actually hurt. It would actually right. become like a solid thing. Oh yikes. Which is why which is why sort of Omega was holding it and like hitting him with the side of the bottle instead of mm-hmm. knocking him over the head with like the edge of the bottom potentially because right. that's oh, what the hard oh, part is. Fun fact, fun production fact. Inside knowledge. Yeah. The locomotion Northern Lights suplexes for the 100 yards that was funny even though they obviously didn't do it for 100 yards but you know. Um doing that moonsault with the ribs from Matt Jackson as well. But but the MVP, the MVP of this match um, was Sammy Guevara. Yes. Just, you know, running, running away from the horse, running away from the golf cart, getting blasted in the face by sprinklers. I think Sammy Guevara is the embodiment of what AEW have done, the way that they have built these, these guys. Like, I didn't know who Sammy Guevara was when he turned up holding the... I think it was the AAA Cruiserweight Championship or whatever it was when he first turned up. Yeah. I had no interest in him. And, you know, now he's one of my favorite things on the show. He's so good in the ring. He sells like crazy. Mm-hmm. He's And he's hilarious. It's, yeah, he's, he's for me, been the, the, the real, um, alongside, you know, Jungle Boy, MGF, Darby Allen, Hikaru Shida, Britt Baker. He, he, 
for me is slightly above them in like the success story of AEW building their own their own homegrown stars, which you know they've done. They they've you know arguably done a better job of producing their own stars in this calendar year that yeah. they've been a company than you know the um, Goliath that WWE has. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about that, like. It th- what's what's happening now in AEW is great. You know, you have obviously your your great competitors like a Cody, Omega, Jericho, whatever. But it sort of has that New Japan young lionness. Not young lion. Well, I guess yeah. it also applies to like Sheeta and stuff. But long, young lions and young lionesses, um, where uh, when we get down the line, and you know, a Darby or MJF or Jungle Boy or whoever eventually gets their first. You know, Sammy Guevara, whoever gets that AEW World Championship um, from that new class sort of idea, mm-hmm. it's going to be huge. It's going to feel like a huge moment, and we're all going to be very—I mean, hopefully, at the very least—we'll be very much, we'll, we'll be, we'll be on board. You know, because we've seen them from the beginning um, of this promotion and seen how they grow and see how they slowly been climbing up this ladder, and that when when they eventually, when Darby eventually wins it. It's going to be a huge moment. Even and, just when Darby beats Cody. Yeah, even then, like it, and that's going to be a huge moment. You're going to feel great, and then it's going to keep going. And then maybe he won't win the title for another year after he beats mm-hmm. Cody, but we're going to get there. You know, we're going to slowly build our way up there. That when someone wins it, you're like, okay, that's a star now. That like whoever of this new class wins it, probably they'll be a star immediately. Well, in the wrestling world, I'm not sure if they're going to break out in the new into everything else, but that's a whole other issue. Um, You're right; they they have they have um, almost the tears there. Yeah, yeah. It's and 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 what that is, what it comes down to is that's that is pro wrestling. That's how you book pro Mm -hmm. wrestling. Is you need to, you know, you need to showcase younger talent or or un you know not well known talent. I think, you know wrestling the internet wrestling community obviously knows who nxt people are so when you see them on tv and they're not really working well it's really tough because you're like this guy's a former nxt north american champion how is he not working on smackdown but um, nakamura I've, I've been thinking about recently how much i used to love nakamura and how excited i was when he turned up on smackdown with that violinist for his formerly amazing entrance to where he is now being like a intercontinental title jobber almost yeah or or that john cena shinsuke nakamura match mm. oh, so good where the winner goes on to face ginger mahal in SummerSlam. <laughs> um this was mm. a weird time uh but but yeah no like and it was a i did like math on it way ago and it actually has kind of proven to be somewhat true but it like like the internet wrestling community on twitter knows you know, knows NXT enough, but we forget that the actual audience of two point whatever million people have no idea what NXT is. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, because there's only one, there's only like, I figured the math was, I would have to look it up. It was like an old tweet from a year ago. Mm-hmm. But it was basically like only, a, you know, there's 1.5, you know, millions or there's like 1.5 million subscribers to the network. And there's sure. three, there's 2.5 million people that watch raw on a weekly you know weekly thing or whatever um time yeah so that means i was like so that means like 
a million people, when Shinsuke Nakamura shows up on TV, a million people have no idea who that is. Um, and, and that doesn't even count how many people that subscribe to the network watch NXT. Um, so yeah, it's this idea that like we we're as as a community we're like oh he just shows up and we're expecting him to be a thing and then we disappoint <laughs> ourselves because our expectations are so high. We're here, yeah. we see Sam Guevara and he slowly slowly gets up, even when it's like Brody Lee or Lance Archer who there's a little bit more hype or whatever. We slowly see them build up, then they get it, then they lose, and then they'll go back down and then they'll build up again, again, again down the line. Will Brody win the AEW World Heavyweight Championship down the line from years from now? Maybe. I have no idea. But we're slowly going to build there. He's going to come back and he's going to be powerful or more powerful than before. I don't know. Whatever the hell is going to happen. But that, that's my point. Is that basically it's like we're, they're doing a great job of building up people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, I gave this match uh, four and a quarter stars i was very generous i thought it was great i really liked it it was it was great i wouldn't say excellent like 4.25 from me i think as well we've got we've reached the consensus we have well well that is everybody that is double or nothing that's a review or double or nothing um yeah so thank you everybody for listening but before we go we sort of want to do i guess we're going to talk about some other stuff do we want to still want to have time for talking about stuff craig um, hour, I don't know. I'm very hour tired. Thir- I don't know. It's an hour thirty, but also it's an important discussion, probably, right? Yes. We probably shouldn't, you know, we probably shouldn't get away from going it, um, because obviously we're both sort of, um, uh, we're both we're both sort of what's the word I want to say? It's important. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's an important mm-hmm. thing to talk about. So, do you want to do you want to open up the conversation? I was just like. Obviously, being like a wrestling fan and being somebody, you know, probably all spend too much time on Twitter, and it's being it's kind of hard not to, you know, the 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 kind of the really tragic story that came out this week about Hana Kimura mm-hmm. in in Japan and the kind of the 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 awful end to her life that was um, really tragic and needless, and the story around it is really depressing and kind of anger inducing and it's you know kind of and then it it opened the door to kind of important conversations about how people treat each other online and how um people attack others to kind of because of their own self-esteem issues and yeah it's just kind of been kind of hard to avoid and i i don't know about yourself ryan but um I, I I kind of I kind of um sponge all that stuff up and it kind of you know when you're when you are reading those things and seeing people's reaction to it, it's you know, it's it's not really something that you can just brush off. Yeah, I mean uh, I should say if you if you don't know what we're talking about, um well last Friday or Saturday or something, whatever it was, um uh, uh, stardom wrestler, <laughs> Japanese wrestler, Hana Kimura uh, passed away at the age of 22, which is horrendous. But it, it, it appears, well, obviously we don't know, I guess, specific details, but it would appear that it would be due to some sort of cyberbullying that took place online that uh, Hannah probably did not enjoy. Um, but yeah, it, it, we're not, we're not going to maybe do, a, we're not doing really a retrospective on Hannah Kimura's life. 
because I mean I was just I was just starting to get into stardom um, this past couple of months. So I don't know about you, Craig, but I was I don't know enough about her to really say his point. But you and I have both been on the internet for a long time, so we do want to talk about just the idea of like how not only the internet but definitely like wrestling Twitter and everything works. And like you said, to, to answer your thing about you know sponging things up, I I, I made a tweet like a while ago where it's, where it was one of those days where I was just getting like bogged down and I did I it was just getting so upset and I didn't I don't want to. It's this thing that I've dealt with where it comes to like hit the books our Twitter account when I've talked about Mikey before. It's like I person personally as as me being Ryan Knightsey, my own person. I would love to not be on Twitter. The problem being is that as a podcast, the only way for me to, you know, talk about my show and talk about our brand or whatever is to be on Twitter, is to be the advertising and stuff. I would love to not be on Twitter because there's so much crap that is, like you said, needless. It's, you know, even even the next day after Hanukkah, there's a whole bunch of nonsense that's happening on Twitter um about this other guy that i'm not even going to talk about because who gives a mm-hmm. shit about that person but uh but it's just there's there's no reason for it you know it's and it's you and something that i've also respected about you when all that stuff that we sort of mentioned earlier uh was happening was that it it's people like to dog on others and they like to be part of the winners and mm-hmm. you know we they like to you know, like to respect the check marker, check markers. Um, you know, what I see mean? that this is this is the thing that I get that I that makes me really very uncomfortable about Twitter is how that that check mark that you've just referenced almost like creates a tier system yeah. in Twitter and like a tier system of humans and the way that like all the peasants find the the tick mark to rally behind to give themselves some kind of meaning. I find that really uncomfortable to see. I really don't like when people are like, turn themselves into like a Seth Rollins guy or a Sasha Banks girl. Stan. Well, let's say Stan. Let's do the proper terms. I've I've been talking (laughs) a lot, but like, they, they, uh, one of the guys tweeted out about idol culture. They called it idol culture, yeah, yeah. and that's what it is. It's like it's like people that f- need that are struggling, and then look for significance by hitching their wagon to somebody on the internet, and then going to war for them on the internet. And it's it, it's it's a it's a it's a really disquieting thing. And you alluded to this way earlier, but the idea that people, I think and obviously people forget all the time is that, you know, we live in the real world and the internet, not just social media, but the internet in general is this secondary world, you know, that, that this is your online persona or whatever, what that is, mm-hmm. what that means. And like you, inter- like you said earlier, it's fake. It's not, it's something that it you, can be fake. it doesn't, to be it doesn't have to be but you know in a utopian society it will be a just we're just our normal people are on there and just we're talking about whatever or whatever but we're not a utopian society there are people that slip through the cracks as we know about the pandemic that's happening there are people that don't care about it 
and you know in a utopian society everyone will be being social distance and will have masks on and everything but there's obviously people that don't so maybe that's a maybe that's a broader conversation but at least when it comes to the internet or the very least social media it's that you can put on whatever you want you can display whatever you want mm-hmm. and the problem with that is that it's the same thing it's the co- thing that comes with like text messages is that whatever you read online in terms of social media you have no idea what the sarcasm behind it is what the inflection behind anything is is because it's all written you have no idea what they're trying to say you know you know when i don't know when 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 mjf thinks it's not a good not when he doesn't have a dive like you don't know if he's being sarcastic or whatnot and then everyone else who thinks he's a real person dogs on someone and it's ridiculous and but but you're right and like you're talking about the texting and like that's so very relevant because i said 80 percent probably like 80 percent of human communication is non-verbal yeah so like how do you do non-verbal communication for a screen you, you don't it doesn't it doesn't come through in text yeah um and yeah, yeah i you know i struggle all the time i like i quite often get defensive with people and they're like oh no i was i you know i wasn't um trying to be offensive or whatever i just meant this i'm like oh oh yeah sorry mm-hmm. sorry you know being on twitter sometimes makes you um be defensive because you just assume that the person that said something that might be offensive or it might not probably was meaning to be offensive and that's not a good space i think where i differ from yourself and i completely respect um the not wanting to be on twitter Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm quite stubborn with these things and I really don't think that social media should be what it is in that like it shouldn't cause so much grief and it shouldn't cause so much issues yeah it it really should be more positive and like the fact that it's kind of really crappy at times is a very it's it's not like I don't believe that social media is causing people to behave like that and I don't think that people can just blame Twitter for what is a cultural problem that like mm-hmm. people are lost and they're, you know, this kind of consumerist individualist. I've gone very sociology, psychology, political here. No, but this, no, but I, I sort of referenced that, that like when it comes yeah. to like the pandemic, there are people that are just ignoring what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But even like, like our, the consumerism, individualist culture of like, you know, you know, there are people, and I'm not a religious person, but people don't go to churches anymore. There are people spend less time in, you know, going to like um, sports clubs, activity clubs, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I think what you see online is people searching for a tribe and doing it in quite a unhealthy way. Which if... I, I do want to say, if you are, of course, getting, a, if anyone is out there getting bogged down on the internet or just in general, obviously always turn to some sort of mental health advisor. We are not mental health advisors in any capacity. Um, you know, uh, we everyone struggles with their own thing. And I, when I say everyone, I do literally mean every single person uh, mm-hmm. struggles with their own thing, um, whether, whether, whatever that may be, depression, anxiety, whatever that could be. So always turn to some sort of health official. But even on a way that what can you do to help yourself um, block, you know, mute things, block people. And what, you know, maybe that is limiting 
the amount there's i saw someone that says that they're like it's oh you're going to be then creating a vacuum and yeah you might be creating a vacuum of only ideas that you consider and stuff but it's the idea that you need to blocking is very different from blocking differing opinions yes yes it there it blocking hate is really different than because it it's what is it there can be criticism you can criticize as long as it's a fair criticism Mm -hmm. if it's something that's like not based in anything or just doesn't make any sense it's not it's not it's unfair or whatever throw a block on that guy or gal or or Mm -hmm. they or whatever they are um or or profile picture i should say but block block them (laughs) just do it it it, it helps protect you at the very least I like to just throw up like a little thumbs up or a smiley face. If I ever go in and like disagree with people, I quite often just throw an emoji up there just to like, just, just to like, you know, it, I feel like it just softens it a little bit. It's just like, you know, I know I 100% agree. I, I, when I am trying to get a point across, if I read it back and it feels like this can be misinterpreted, I'll yeah. throw an emoji or or whatever to try to convey what emotion I'm trying to say in the text. The conveyance of like good intentions, I would describe that as. Yes. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's social media. It's, it's still very much the wild West, you know, it's a, it's a wild West and there aren't like, and it's tough, right? Because as much as it is a wild West, and it is what it is. You, I mean, I, I am in the same boat. I think everyone using social media would be in the same boat. We don't want that to be controlled in a certain way. You know, you know, you want to have make the choice, but you don't want to. You know, you know, in in other countries, like in Asian countries or whatever, there's you know, there's walls that are blocked up that you can't see certain things. You don't want we at the very least in America, we want our Amer- our, our internet usage to be free and available to use as long as you can pay for internet or whatever. Um, You don't want it to be controlled or bottlenecked or whatever. You want to be able to use the the social media highway or whatever. But at the same time, it's like doing that allows a lot of negativity to also spread. So it's, you know, six, six, one way, half a dozen, the other does. Is that the phrase? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 I don't know. It's hard. I don't. I don't know. I I get the kind of, and I don't. I don't trust the people that are making decisions to to own the internet. I don't want to see that happen. Yeah. But I do. I do wonder if there needs to be stuff around anonymity online. There's no cops, right? And even like reporting stuff to on Twitter doesn't always do things because you can always just make another account. Um. There's yeah. no cops. There's no Twitter cops, and then that's the announcement of our new show, Twitter Cops, uh, coming this fall. It's so, silly. It's so silly. I saw Ryan's, uh, not Ryan Sun, not him. Um, the other guy, Sean Ross Sapp, yeah. like this morning, responding to a troll who is like saying that, "Oh, your show is small time and rubbish" or something, and he just turned around and went, "Well, I blocked you months ago, and you've created uh, a new account to tell me this, so." Yeah. Who's small time? And it's it's just it's just so oh like it's so unhealthy. It's yeah. a real symptom of like something going wrong. I will also say though that there needs to be like 
in terms of the leaders of the internet wrestling community or whatever, there needs to be a little bit more like discretion on what you do. Like mm-hmm. I, you don't, I don't want to see Meltzer or Sean Ross Sapp or Ryan Satin or whatever. Well, Meltzer's promoting it. I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to see Meltzer yeah. talking to yeah. trolls online. <laughs> yeah, he's he's promoting them. That's what he like. Yeah, he's he's part of the issue. As much as he like is asking people to read things before they criticize him, or like pointing out how, and essentially he's just putting people down. Like he's just you know he's promoting it. He's promoting the negative comments, but then he's also promoting it with its own negative comments, even if it's bad. Like saying that like what you're saying is awful. Yeah. It's still like it's just brewing more hate. Yeah, um, it's it's not it's not compassionate. Yeah, it, it, I'm not. I'm not obviously. I'm not saying if someone says something like you know racist online, I'm not saying that they we shouldn't hit, like shit on the guy. But it, mm. it's it is this thing of like it's just brewing more. Like you said, lack of compassion. It's just brewing more and more hate when it's like, oh, let's dogpile on this person. Um, yeah, and it, and and it that's not creating a thing. That's not helping that person. Because you're right, and I I, I can really remember seeing. Uh, really prominent female wrestler on Twitter and quote retweeting pictures that some guy had sent her and like talking about how creepy and unpleasant and hideous it is. And, you know, you know, sympathy to her because it must be horrible to have to deal with that. But like straight away, I could just tell that the guy in that pictures that was like being creepy had some kind of learning disability and you know, it's just they, they, there's a lot of like, a lot of like these leaders, as you called them, going between each other, um, kind of mocking the people that are behaving like this. And that, that, that doesn't help either. Yeah. Like it doesn't, like just mocking the people that are, you know, people that are being racist and disgusting. Like, you know, you shouldn't have to deal with this, but like just mocking and, um, treating them like they're dirt is part of the issue and again it's really unfair that they, they're in the position where people are saying these things to them and sending them these things and that is where this conversation started yeah um, but yeah what i'm thinking about is that you know i talked about that there's no police on the on social media yeah. the problem is that people are self-policing which mm-hmm. becomes an issue it's it, it's a thing that i talk about like you know, when like, I don't, I'm not a fan of like when there's sometimes in like in families and huge families where you have, you know, let's say you have seven kids or whatever. Um, and sometimes, you know, the kid, the older kid has to basically raise the younger kid mm-hmm. um, because the parent has to do so much, so much effort, extra effort. Yeah. And basically it's like, well, you're, you're, mace, you're, it's not their job is what I'm yeah. trying to say. It's like their kids polices by like telling them what to do not not doing it and then so they hit them or something yeah or the older kid is basically losing out on their childhood because they have to now mm. be an adult basically yeah uh, and it's not their job that's not their job to do it's the same thing no. on the internet it's like it's no that's one's job really interesting way to look at it, it it's, it's, not, it's not their job to to have to deal with it it's not their job to have to be, deal with it, and I'm not. I'm not. We're we're obviously not saying that any of those instances where you're trying to defend yourself, you're in the wrong. I'm not trying to say that at all. I'm just saying that like that's self policing. That when you have the group of people, the stands, 
that then dogpile on someone, then it's just yeah. not, it's not it's not solving the issue, is what I'm trying to say. I just completely I understand. I like I'm I'm not criticizing people for lashing out. I'm just I suppose it's just uh I don't know a illustrating of like how things perhaps maybe could be. Like it's completely understandable if you're getting dunked on and dogpiled by all these guys with fake accounts that you might lash out and say something awful to them. That's that's understandable. I suppose I don't want to see it as being cool that people, you know, with the blue ticks are having a very public in-joke about that's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see yeah. it it as a thing like that. I don't I think that is kind of building barriers and kind of exacerbating hierarchies. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I, uh, I I think of just my last point is I think of this. Have you ever seen the TV show Community? Yes, I've been watching Community recently, actually. Oh, on Netflix, I believe is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, have you gotten to the season? Have Have you watched season five? I think. Nah, I'm on about four. <laughs> oh, season four. Oh, the worst season. Is it? Uh, oh, that's maybe why I'm, I've kind of slowed down with it. Uh, that, that's, I'll tell you off air why the, it's the worst season. But in season five, there's an episode called Meow Meow Beans, mm-hmm. uh, a f- famous episode. Uh, mm-hmm. It sort of it was actually done before a very famous Black Mirror episode, because the basic premise is that like it's everyone has an app where you can oh, rate other I know people. This, I know this Black Mirror episode though. Yeah, you have an app that you can rate other people. Yeah. And it's basically it's making some sort of analogy about social media, and it's that sort of thing of like when you have like a f- a five out of five person, like a check marked person, it's like yeah. you view them at a higher level, like they are some sort of god or whatever that like uh, they're a celebrity. I should not god, but celebrity or whatever that like oh I I have to yeah. immediately re- agree with what you're saying because you have a check mark. Yeah, absolutely. John, this is really funny. Um, so I keep talking about this grapple podcast that I really enjoyed the other and it's i linked it all over my twitter feeds uh yesterday because it was it was like all this stuff and it was like it was confirmation bias these guys were saying stuff i thought kind of think so i now think they're great mm-hmm. you know that's how confirmation bias works <laughs> but um, <laughs> they they reference that uh that black mirror episodes yeah it's really funny oh, people yeah. people are kind of starting to think in the in similar lines of thought well, you gotta get to the Meow Meow Means episode because they did it first. Did they? All right, okay. I'm a I'm a big fan of Community. That's why I always I always go to Community for stuff because I'm really really big fan of that show. But uh, yeah, no, I it's it's a great it's a great episode because it it's the same same sort of idea that Black Mirror did afterwards, mm-hmm. but it it's a comedy, so it's you know has a little yeah, bit funny yeah, stuff in there. Um, God, so I'm just thinking about that episode now. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, what a, what a tangent to go off. I need to, we need to put a timer on me when I'm going on tangents. Um, oh my gosh. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed that, you know, sort of talk discussion about whatever we had, but also just go, our, our review on double or nothing. If you enjoyed it, you know, please, of course, you know, share this on all your social medias, uh, if you so choose, but also rate it on iTunes, you know, give a five-star review, uh, and you can, you know, help us out a little bit more, get more people to see it. And just, you know, just let us know. We'll appreciate it. We'll shout you out on an episode. Um, uh, if you uh, would like to subscribe, you can also subscribe and get more episodes of this. Uh, hopefully, yeah, not hopefully, but presumably we'll be out 
um, on Monday next week. We'll be back on the normal schedule. Um, uh, doing more AEW Dynamite. Uh, Craig, I'm really excited because I'm really excited for potential New Japan coming back. Maybe mm. we can do some New Japan on the show. Um, obviously, the stats of New Japan maybe need to be, <laughs> for this year, be pat- padded up a little bit more. Yeah, as planned. Yeah, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. I'll figure it out when that happens. Um, but uh, at the very least, uh, you can subscribe and get more shows. Uh, not only uh, wrestling statistics every Monday, but of course every Friday we have, or I have, I'm on the show Hit the Books, which is a a uh, SmackDown versus Raw fancy booking podcast. Um, we know where we write every single match segment result uh, of, of Raw and also SmackDown. And we go head to head where listeners can vote on who had the better card that week. Uh, I lost last week, so I'm greatly upset about it. But I'm going to come back swinging next week, this Friday. Um, Craig, what do you have to promote? Me? Um, oh, I don't even know. Um, what do I have to promote? Um, be nice to people. Um, if you're struggling during the pandemic, then go for a walk. Try some mindfulness. Um, exercise is always good. Um, read some Matt Haig. He's good. Um, go to therapy if you need to. It works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just yeah. let's be nice. I'm not going to promote myself because okay. I'm virtuous. No, I guess it's I guess it's fair. I guess that might be fair. <laughs> I'd feel awkward too. Now, let me uh. And follow follow PW Musings on Twitter for just the stats. If you want to follow me, where I will say stuff about the stats and the stats, and um, it's Craig PW Musings. Yeah, we 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 understand that we may be virtue signaling now, but uh. We're now at the point of the show where we have to do some plugs. Maybe we didn't plan this out properly, but I, <laughs> if we have not, if we acknowledged it, maybe it's okay. I have no idea. Anyways, well, human. It's yeah, fine. I don't know. Anyways, at hit the books pod on Twitter, you can follow us there um, for more stuff. If you want to follow me, it's at Ryan Nightsey. I rarely tweet. Like I said, I, don't, I I'm one of those people that also just reads Twitter and has a tough time coming up with things to say. But if you want to follow me at Ryan Nightsey, you know sometimes I'll say funny things or whatever. Or dogpile on the American presidency. Anyways, uh, thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode. Um, like always, uh, we thank you so much for listening. And thank you for joining us. Uh, we got plenty more content coming up, obviously. There's plenty more AEW Dynamite. So we're excited for what we can do for you uh, coming down the line. Uh, yeah, like I said, we love you all. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, have a good day.